Welcome back, everyone, to episode seven of Pep Talk, the Project Excel podcast. I am joined by youth in the town of Huntington. If you could all introduce yourselves to our listeners. Hi, I'm Allie, and I'm a junior at Northport High School. Hi, I'm Alexa. I'm a freshman. Hi, I'm Beth. I'm a junior at Huntington High School. Hi, I'm Molly. I'm a freshman at Huntington High School. And I'm Ariana, and I'm a sophomore at Northport High School. Today we are joined by the amazing Karina Popovich. She is a first year student at Cornell University, where she is majoring in applied economics and management. She is also the founder of Makers for COVID-19 and Wear Alpha. For today's podcast, we will be getting to know her and the amazing work she is doing for women in the STEM community. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Paul, and the pep talk. I'm super happy to be here and to answer all of your questions. Thank you. We're really happy to have you. All right, so Allie, if you'd like to start off. Hello, so first question, when did you start getting interested in 3D printing? Okay, great question. Um, I love answering this question because um, it also goes back to mentorship. And the, the reason that I got started with 3D printing is all because of my high school teacher, Miss O'Neill, um, who got me into well we had a course in my high school in which every every freshman was mandated to take um digital design which then segued into um 3d printing and basically she was she was my teacher and she made me fall in love with engineering not just 3d printing and it was really her who led me into the world of um, engineering through Nesby. Um, I actually was part of the National Society of Black Engineers, even though I'm nowhere close to black. Oh, um, Nesby. Yeah, Nesby, Nesby is amazing and um, truly one of the best engineering communities out there. And I'm so lucky that they were the ones that really welcomed me in and um, allowed me to start my career. And so um, that's kind of how I really fell in love with uh, 3D printing and engineering. To me, um, I think the whole idea of 3D printing, being able to create something out of nothing is just beautiful and inspiring and really goes to uh, symbolize the rest of engineering. Because um, as an engineer, you can really create something out of nothing. And I think that is just, just having that power, it feels like a superpower. Um, and I think that's what really made me keep going. And um, it, it all really started with, with Miss O'Neill and Nesby, so I, I always have to give them the credit they deserve. Is there a specific story or experience that sparked the fire that is in your heart for what you were doing? Oh, that's a loaded one. Okay, so um, I, there are many answers to this question, but I think the biggest answer um, has to be my family background. My parents are... Uh, immigrants and they immigrated here from Ukraine. They still barely speak English and they've had a very difficult time um, really just settling in this country and you know everything always goes back to giving us a better life, giving us more opportunities, giving us a better future and I think you know growing up hearing their stories, hearing how um, you know like my parents, I'm, I'm Christian and so for them like they could barely afford to baptize me, you know? So like that was like, it was touching stories like that, that made me really kind of really reinvigorated me to um, 
go harder and go stronger and be as ambitious as I am. And, um, you know, really, really try anything and really also um, look at engineering as a way to move up the social ladder, the socioeconomic ladder. So I think to me, it has to, it, it definitely has to be my parents' background and, you know, them raising me um, to, to always like see how much effort they put in for me and my sister. Um, I think that has to have been huge to for me to develop the ambition and um, the the energy that I have. That is amazing. That's really Thank cool. You. Okay, so being a freshman student at Cornell, do you see yourself bringing your advocacy uh, for progress there directly? Yeah, I think with with Cornell, um, my advocacy is mostly towards STEM, and you know when. When I think of STEM, there's a lot of things I want to change when it comes to advocating for STEM. I think STEM needs to be something that's colorful. I think too many too many people associate STEM with math and um, boyish colors. No, nobody really associates STEM with pink or um, something that you know is inherently you can say girly. And I think that is a bigger problem that I want to fix and really kind of pave the way for what STEM like our 21st century STEM should look like. Um, <laughs> and there's also that A in STEAM, but uh, yeah, I, I, always, I always believe that, you know, we, we need to change the way we look at um, STEM and STEAM and really just change, um, change our whole approach to it. Because I don't know about you, but I've been to so many um, conferences that are in hotel rooms and like, you know, in those hotel, like, like the vibe that you get is just a lot of old people. Not that that's a bad thing, but you know, we, we need to change it. It needs to be more modern. It needs to be inviting. It needs to feel accessible. And I think that's the advocacy that um, I want to bring to uh, the rest of the world. And for me, Cornell is just a small place to start it at. Hi, um, in what ways has being a part of the program you created impacted your life? Yeah. Um, and for, for program, do you mean uh, the business program? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that's a very interesting question because um, I have to say, like, it definitely hasn't impacted my life at all. Um, I, I'm one of those people that I like to take control of my life and lead my own life. So for me, um, my, my experience in... Um, Cornell's business school, which has only been for um, a year long now that we finally finished, <laughs> um, is wonderful and has brought me a lot of opportunities. But what I'm more grateful for than this business background um, is the Cornell community in itself. I'm, I'm a big believer in the fact that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not a finance person. I'm not a Wall Street person. I'm not an accountant. I'm not any one of those things. I'm a person who wants to pursue social entrepreneurship and so solve problems. So, you know, sitting in a classroom is not going to teach me anything, but sitting down and doing something and doing something like Makers for COVID-19 is exactly what's going to teach me. And, you know, in my case, I haven't learned as much from the 
from the school as I have from Cornell as a whole and from all of the resources that it has offered me from, you know, teachers to um, all the other opportunities that exist on campus to things that don't exist on campus and um, how to handle COVID-19 given everything that's going on um, in regards to school. So I think um, I think the program is will, will definitely be different for different people. But in my case, um, it's definitely been uh, the school that has impacted me the most. Yeah. Also, do you think the higher implementation of women in STEM is the next step for reaching the solution to problems that women face, such as like unequal wage pay? Yeah, well, I think I think there's a lot of ways to look at it. You know, I, I have a ton of friends in STEM and you know, there, you know, there, there's a vertical problem and there's also a horizontal problem. You know, we have women in STEM that are leaving STEM. That's a huge problem. Um, you know, we, we can't really expect to, to have more women move up the, the ladder in STEM and move up to those higher positions and not just STEM aside. We also need more women, um, in C-suite positions. That's, that will be huge for women. But, um, you know, we, we need to, we need to make sure that we first keep women in STEM. And, you know, for so many companies that have kind of funded the way for these great programs, it's really mostly been about the statistics. Um, it's all about having those numbers. Um, and it's very unfortunate because, you know, you want those, you want those women and you want uh, people of color and you want people that are underrepresented in STEM to stay there. And I think that's the bigger conversation that we should be having um, in addition to having more more women move up the, the ladder when it comes to both STEM careers and, and leadership careers. Yeah, I agree with that. So considering the amount of work you have done towards various STEM programs, do you believe other schools will simply follow the example of the schools you have affected or does every school require some sort of catalyst? Yeah, I think every school requires a catalyst. I think the very kind of like unfortunate thing about about you know my line of work and everything that goes on is so many things are decentralized. Um, you know, you would think that you know I started this program in the school and it's been a super 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 huge success, but and then it'll just go on to other schools. But that's not how things happen, and you know, it comes to a point where it's only limited to how much I can spend. Um, talking to each school and talking with each group. And as unfortunate as it is, um, I know in my heart, I'm definitely like constantly fighting to, to fix that and improving that because at the end of the day, um, I think, you know, I think every school should have a 3D printer and every school should have some sort of STEM program. And, you know, with, with either of those, those are not that expensive. Um, you know, a 3D printer, I feel like, I, I talk about this all the time, but I have a I bought a 3D printer for $120. New 3D printer with shipping, $120. Super easy to use, um, requires no tinkering, comes fully assembled, the easiest thing ever, and has a, a year-long warranty. So many people do not know these things, and so many teachers don't know these things. And I think the the first step is demystifying all of these um, all of these all of these biases about 3D printing that aren't true. And then I think the next step after that is really just pushing this forward and, you know, t 
telling more teachers and telling more schools, hey, you could totally do this and this is why it will make your teaching so much better. And I think, I think that's something that we can easily do. All it takes is just sharing the information. What was the most difficult part of starting this business? Which one? Makers for, some people consider Makers for COVID-19 a business, but it's more of an organization. So which one, that or Alpha? I think the second one. The second one, Alpha? I think there were, for me, I faced a lot of difficulties and a lot of challenges. Um, with, with Alpha, the things that I found to be super difficult was, I, that was my first time creating a business, so I didn't know what I was doing. But I knew that I had to do something because the longer I would sit and, and do nothing, the, the less experience I would have to build up something stronger and something better. And so, you know, when I first launched Alpha, it was, I believe, fall, um, last fall. And it was a huge mess. Um, it was not what I wanted it to be. I wasn't happy with it. Um, it was just not, not something I was proud of. And it was, it was the winter break, um, of, of, of my college year that I realized that I need to stop everything that I'm doing and completely rework, um, what this is. Because for me, um, what, what I wanted Alpha to be was to resemble myself and to resemble my values in a business. And, you know, like... Yes, we are a business in the sense that we sell 3D printed clothing, but there's so much more to Alpha that I think is way more important than that. Um, and two of those things are um, the fact that we support other female organizations financially, and also the fact that we um, that we that we teach young women to 3D print and young girls to 3D print, and really anyone to to get started with printing. And I think those two things were the most important that I completely missed um, with the first version of Alpha. And um, I'm really thankful for the fact that I took the time to reflect and really change that. And I think that's one of the key things to really everything that you do is always take a step back to reflect and think, is this what I wanna be doing? Am I doing this for the right reasons? And really, really take it as the opportunity to better understand yourself because as soon as I did that, um, it really changed the whole game for, for my personal goals, too. Wow, that's really interesting. Are you going to continue like doing 3D printing once you're done with college? That's a great question. I honestly could not tell you. I think I will. Um, I love 3D printing, and I know for a fact I will certainly have a 3D printer for probably the rest of my life. Um, and I'll teach my kids to use them if if I choose to have kids. I don't even know that um, at this point. But I think for for me, um, my biggest my biggest interest has always been solving problems. And I think that's why I've been able to shift shift from Wear Alpha, where we 3D printed clothing to uh, something like Makers for COVID-19, where we're 3D printing PPE, which is so completely different. Um, I think to me, I I will definitely continue 3D printing and pursuing my passion for uh, prototyping and building and tinkering. Um, it's It just is a question about how am I gonna be applying it and um, where what, what problems am I gonna be solving next? Ever have second thoughts on starting this business? 
Oh yeah, all the time. There were so many times where I would um, go go to my best friends and tell them I just can't do this. I think it's awful, um, and I would just break down because I didn't I didn't fully believe in myself, and I didn't fully believe in what I was creating. And to me, that was the first sign that I needed to to change Alpha into what it is now. And that's how I knew that this is this is exactly what I needed to change because I think. I think when when the the project that you create is a representation of yourself, there's no way you can doubt yourself, you know? And there's tons of ways to represent yourself. It doesn't just have to be in your values. It could be in your work ethic. It could be in a bunch of other things. And it's really once you represent yourself in, in the project or the work that you're doing that you face the least doubt. I just wanted to know, how does it feel knowing that you're helping people every day, especially with makers for COVID-19? Yeah, I think I think it's one of those feelings that I get so caught up in the work of every single day that I forget. Um, I forget that, you know, like I, I'm helping people and, you know, in some cases I'm helping them feel safer and feel like they're protecting their families better and uh, protecting themselves better. I think I forget that and I think that's something that is easy to forget whenever you just have so much work and you're trying to do a lot and you're trying to achieve a lot. And I think for me, it's really important to always restart and to always just take a break and, and realize everything that I'm doing, what I'm doing it for. And, you know, that is the perfect kind of like energy drink that I need to really keep going and, and do things better. And, you know, also, stay in touch with with myself and realize um the good work that i'm actually doing and um yeah i think i think it's hard um getting caught up in those things but um restarting definitely helps so if if anybody uh does that i think uh if anybody tries that it will definitely help them out too yeah do you feel that this organization has changed your life oh yeah i think i think this has changed my life in so many ways um, some ways that I probably don't even realize yet. Um, you know, doing Makers for COVID-19, I realized just how much I've learned by doing this, this, this project. Um, I, I learned so many things that I couldn't have ever learned in the classroom. I learned what being a leader really means. And I, and more importantly, I learned what it means for myself. And I think that's the part that people miss a lot. Um, you can learn something, but it's only once you learn what it means for yourself that you're really making um, significant progress. Because you know, I would I would think that I knew leadership, um, but it wasn't until now that I realized that for me, what leadership means is really listening and really um, understanding people's problems and not just constantly you know like trying to talk over them or keep talking. And you know, there are so many so many things to to really realize and understand. And I think for me, um, that's just one of the ways that this has changed my life, just how much I've grown and how much I've learned. But also I feel like this, this has made me realize how much I've learned from Alpha because I wouldn't be able to, to do this as well as I have if not for my failures at Alpha and the challenges that I face at Alpha that have prepared me for this moment to create this. So 
you know, I think, I think this, this goes to say that failure is very important to achieving success. And um, I, I think that failure has been the key to my success and in so many ways to, to this very, very project makers for COVID-19 changing my life and, you know, probably being something that I'll focus on for a, a long time from now. Cause you know, we, me and my team, we definitely want to keep makers for COVID-19 um, alive for throughout all of COVID-19, you know, the first wave and the second wave and to also build it, build the whole community that we have afterwards into something else that can help medical professionals or um, the larger community. I just wanted to know, like you talked about your team. Yeah. Um, like who helped you with Makers for COVID-19? Yeah. So uh, initially the way Makers for COVID-19 started, it was kind of just me doing, uh, doing my thing. And it was like a one woman show. And um, very quickly, it grew into me needing a lot of help. And um, that's when I got my best friend to help. And uh, he has been really awesome at kind of taking some weight off my shoulders. And before we knew it, um, we had this this group of students and students from everywhere really reaching out to be part of, of the team. And we, we quickly grew to 15 students. And um, we're students from different colleges all working on this um, to build it up. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things about this is I've seen the power of students working together and people rallying in time of crisis. And I think this is just something that's so, so amazing to see, especially during the time like a time like this and, you know, all of all of the terrible things that, that go on um, during our day and time. One question that I wanted to ask, you brought up social entrepreneurship. Could you expand and tell our listeners exactly what that is? Yeah, I think, once again, I think that there's different ways to social entrepreneurship. Lots of people take it differently, but um, for me and for the larger um, community, social entrepreneurship is really just um, doing good while also uh, trying to keep yourself afloat. So really you're trying to create a business that isn't focused on um, profiting above all else. You're trying to create a business that is focused on profiting, but also focused on doing good with that money and not necessarily, you know, kind of swimming in money um, like some, like some people are um, and instead actually putting it to good use and really helping it and being really ethical with, um, your practices uh, for your employees, for the people you work with, and even just giving back to the community as a whole. Thank you so much. That's a great explanation. And that's, you couldn't have said it any better. I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> Karina, I want to thank you so much for giving us your time and answering all these questions. We really appreciate it. Thank you from the town of Huntington, from Project Excel to Karina Popovich for giving us her time and inspiring us and other women in STEM really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor to be here and to answer all of your phenomenal questions. I love them all and I hope that I can stay in touch with all of you and feel free to, to message me and anyone else that's listening to this podcast. I love mentoring people and being as much of help as much help as possible to anyone out there. So um, please connect with me and uh, I'm happy to be here. 
And please tell everyone where they can find more about you. I know you have a lot of great internet resources. Definitely. Um, you can, anyone can connect with me over Instagram. It's my favorite place to be. <laughs> my Instagram name is Karina.Popovich. And um, you can also connect with me over uh, Twitter. My name uh, is Badass Maker because Karina Popovich is not available, but it, it's okay. It's still pretty, uh, pretty accurate. So <laughs> uh, we have that. And uh, of course, I'm on Facebook. So you can really find me anywhere or even just message um, through Wear Alpha's website or Makers for COVID-19 website. And um, if you ask for Karina, you will get me. So <laughs> thank you for that. Definitely going to be reaching out to you and we'll definitely stay in contact. Awesome. And that's going to be it for episode seven of Pep Talk. Everyone enjoy your day. <laughs>